Ah, sweet land of liberty. Our founding fathers not only pledged, but gave their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor to obtain our God-given liberty. Now it's our turn. Liberty can only thrive if it's alive in the hearts of a freedom-loving people. I'm Dan Matthews, and I'm pleased to welcome you to Freedom's Ring. Here's our host and constitutional lawyer and minister, Alan Reinock. Welcome back to Freedom's Ring, my friends. I'm pleased today to have as our guest the executive director of the North American Religious Liberty Association, Melissa Reed. Melissa, welcome back. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be with you. And we just completed our annual Religious Liberty Summit, and we were in California this year. Yeah. It's been a very exciting event, hasn't it? Yeah, we did things a little bit differently this year. As you said, it was our annual event, and usually we are in Washington, D.C., um, but we decided uh, to head out and do a regional event this year, and um, I am so glad that we did. Thank you for being our host venue. Well, thank you for coming to California. And we had people from all over the country, didn't we? Yeah, yeah, we really did. I have to say thank you so much to all of our colleagues and friends. Uh, we were in 20 different congregations on Saturday, uh, reached who knows how many different hearts and minds, uh, being able to share uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ, talking about social justice and how, you know, Jesus was here on, while Jesus was here on earth. He was ministering to the needs of those individuals that he encountered, not only, you know, sharing the gift of salvation, but also ministering to their immediate needs while he was here. And um, just, you know, the great news of wanting to be able to do, you know, um, mirror that ourselves while we're here because we look around and see so many needs that need to be met. And um, it was really exciting. I think you can hear the enthusiasm in both our voices and how we sure. were really um, inspired. We had some really great speakers. Um, our emphasis on Friday evening, so it was a three-day event. And on Friday evening, we had a youth-centered focus and had some awesome music, a really phenomenal spoken word piece, and then just uh, we're inspired and I think challenged as well by our speaker, Pastor Jason Ridley. He's a Seventh-day Adventist minister, but also a social justice advocate from the Cleveland, Ohio area, and a really phenomenal speaker who just, like I said, really inspired but also challenged us. Uh, there's so much that needs to be done, and it's time for us to uh, get to it, you know. Melissa, twice now you've used the term social justice. Yeah. The actual title of our event was Doing Justice, rooted yeah. in Micah 6. But, you know, a lot of our listening audience tends to be conservatives, a Christian radio audience, and a lot of people take issue with the terminology of social justice. They see it, you know, as kind of an umbrella for liberal causes that they don't agree with. Um, what do you mean in terms of how we were presenting the emphasis here this weekend on how the church can be a force for justice in the community? Sure. Well, like I started off with saying, you know, uh, talking about what Jesus was doing in, in his ministry while he was here on earth, right? You know, one of the illustrations that I loved that I was reading, I have several different devotionals going on my Bible app right now. And one of them was talking about how the disciples would follow their rabbis, their teachers so closely that they would get 
many times they would get the dust or the dirt from the sandals rabbis on them. They would be covered. You know, if you're ever on a dirt road, you know, you follow too closely to the vehicle in front of you, you get covered in that dirt, right? And so you would often, and we are, that's kind of what I want as a disciple of Christ, is to be so closely mirroring or following his direction, is that I'm covered in not only his words, the word of God, following what he does, his actions, you know, what he did while he was here on earth. And his actions was that he was caring for the immediate needs of the individuals, right? He was not only sharing, I'm coming again and I'm dying on the cross for your sins. I mean, praise the Lord for that, right? We have nothing to, you know, we're nothing without that, you know, that gift of salvation and the grace that he's given us. But while he was here, he couldn't look away from the injustices that were happening at the hands of the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the Romans uh, to these individuals, the ones that didn't have a voice, the, you know, the, the downtrodden and the, you know, the widows and the orphans. And so that's what I mean by social justice, standing up for those individuals that, you know, that are being preyed on, being taken advantage of. And so I'm meaning just mirroring what our Savior did while he was here on earth. Well, and um, I know one of the programs, one of the afternoon programs that was held, uh, I interviewed a pastor from a missionary church in Ventura, California, who has succeeded in mobilizing the pastors, 45 pastors, 45 churches in town, to establish two centers for homeless ministry to homeless families and women with babies and to help them to to get off the streets and to reestablish uh, uh, stability in their lives. And that was a very exciting, um, to me, this is an example of what we're talking about, you know, ministering Christ to those who are among the most vulnerable and the neediest yeah. in our communities. By the way, listeners, that video interview is, by the time you listen to this broadcast, it should be available. I'm expecting to have it back any day now from uh, from the local church. And it was just powerfully inspiring about, you know, positive ways that we can work together across denominational lines, across political lines with elected officials and pull our communities together, you know, to make a difference. Because, you know, Jesus said the poor you always have with you, right? Mm -hmm. um, and it, it calls out our compassion. It, it really deepens our ability to both experience and express the love of Christ, which yeah. is what it's all about. Yeah. Um, I love that you mentioned uh, Micah, and that was our theme, our overarching theme was to do justice, because, you know, that very famous verse for us, Micah 6, 8, talks about doing justice, and then in that same breath, it talks about loving mercy, right? Mm -hmm. We all are so grateful for the mercy in our life. When I preached on Saturday, that was the text that I used and I'm so grateful for the mercy of Jesus in my life. But sometimes I have such a difficult time extending that mercy onto others. And I think we all have that same difficulty, right? We're so grateful for it ourselves. But then we say, you know, that person doesn't deserve mercy. Well, my goodness, I don't deserve mercy either, you know. And so I think that weekends like these are so important for us to be able to recognize, you know, none of us are worthy of any of this. You know, Jesus himself, none of us, you know, we all just 
don't deserve the grace or the mercy of any of us. And yet Jesus is the one who ultimately extends it to all of us. And so therefore we need to be mirroring that. And I think the overarching question and challenge for me anyway of the weekend is mm -hmm. how will the church live out the love of Christ in our communities? Are we going to vote Republican? Are we going to vote Democrat? What do we think of Donald Trump? You know, those are fun issues to talk about, but those really don't impact the gospel and the future of the church the same way. How Absolutely. is the church going to be the church? How are we going to live out the love of Christ in our communities? And it's going to be different for each congregation, each community, based mm -hmm. on their own talents, abilities, uh, makeup. You know, everybody's got to answer that question for themselves. But I think that really is the question, especially today. Um, the secular American world takes a dim view of the church. They associate the church with bigotry and racism, and um, they really have a bad attitude towards the church. Mm -hmm. And we have enormous barriers that we have to tear down in order to build the credibility. And it's not so much the credibility of the church that I'm concerned about, it's being able to present Jesus in his true light as the savior of the world. Absolutely. And, uh, Absolutely. And I agree with you completely. And I know um, many of us that were presenting at these different churches, first of all, I loved that they represented a diversity of the California population. You know, we were all there in Southern California. But there were African-American congregations. There were Indonesian congregations. There were Hispanic congregations. You know, it was, it was Filipino. Filipino. It was who Southern California is, right? But we were all Christians worshiping the same Savior, right? Um, and then uh, lots of them, the majority of them were mixed, diverse, multicultural congregations. The uh, church that I spoke at in the afternoon was called All Nations, you know, Seventh-day Adventist Church. And I love that. That's, you know, mirrors the church that I worshiped at back in uh, Maryland. But I was just going to say, many of us, and this is just echoing the point that you made, is that we, more important than, you know, what our political affiliation is or who we're voting for, anything like that, it's important that we're serving the needs, the immediate needs of, of the local community. And I know I had the conversation before I spoke at, at the church that I spoke at, and I know many others did as well, is what are the needs of your local community? And that's what I want to address. I don't want to come and talk about something that's not relevant. You know, I want to talk about, and do you have an ongoing existing program that, you know, is what we should be highlighting? And so, you know, I don't want to try and fill a need that's not there or that you're already doing really well, you know, so. So, you know, let's fill in our listeners here. We've been talking about our annual Religious Liberty Summit for the North American Religious Liberty Association, but we really haven't given them any background on <laughs> the association itself. Yes, We've yes. got roots going back to 1893. This is the oldest religious liberty organization in the United States, isn't it, Melissa? Yes, yes. And you and I have been a part of it since its inception. <laughs> oh, well, my kids think that I'm a contemporary of Abe Lincoln, you know. Uh, no, let me tell you about NARLA. So we, we refer to ourselves as NARLA. And basically, NARLA is a way for Seventh-day Adventist church members and anybody else that wants to become involved to be advocates for religious freedom. 
And uh, it's a vehicle of basically, if you listen today and you get enthusiastic about religious freedom issues or wanting to do justice, right? You want to stand up for the needs of the um, those who are the least of these, as the Bible says, then you can contact us. You can go to Facebook. That's where we're most active and look up the North American Religious Liberty Association, or you can just do facebook.com and then backslash Narla Freedom, or you can go to our website, which is religiousliberty.info. But basically, it's just a way, it's an advocacy organization for religious freedom. Uh, it's a way for you to learn more about um, religious freedom issues, so it's an educational component. There's the advocacy component as far as um, Alan does huge advocacy work or is very active in advocacy work on the West Coast, particularly in California and California legislation. And then we do it, uh, my colleagues and I do it on a national level. And uh, we have, uh, whenever there's uh, issues that are on a state level, state by state level, if there's ballot initiatives, um, then we let people know what's going on in their communities. And we, um, so we try to be community activists and let people know, hey, these things are happening in your community that could affect your freedom of conscience. And um, ask them to get involved. Um, you know, they've let us know by whether they're signed up for our e-alerts or they're following us on Facebook that they're interested in these issues, that they want to protect the religious freedom not only of themselves, but of their fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. And so um, we let them know when there are issues that are going on um, that could impede those, those freedoms. Melissa, that's a wonderful summary. We are out of time. Our guest, Melissa Reed, director of the North American Religious Liberty Association. As we close, we want to remind our listeners here at Freedom Spring, we don't just talk about religious freedom. We help those suffering religious discrimination. Check out our legal resources page at churchstate.org, online at churchstate.org. And don't forget, friends, freedom is not free. Be informed. Get involved. This has been Freedom's Ring. I'm your host, Alan Rhinox. Until next week, let freedom ring.